Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Net Worth NBA podcast. We're going to talk all thing hoops and handicap the NBA. Joining me as always from not so far away, actually, at this point, how's sunny Sacramento spread? Great. How do you like in this specific time zone? It's really, really nice. For those of you that don't know, I'm in Vegas on, on family vacation. My wonderful dad gets us all together and takes us somewhere for a week. So we're in Vegas. We're going to see the Hoover Dam and the Grand Canyon tomorrow, go to a couple shows. So it should be a good time. And it was fantastic. The football game was over like 8.30, like at a totally reasonable time last night. It was excellent. I was confused. I was ready to go to bed, and uh, there was still a t- ton more stuff to do. Yeah, it is interesting. It started at 5 instead of 8, huh? It is. I'm gonna. I'm going to watch a Monday night football game tonight, and it screw, kind of screws up dinner plans a little bit because it starts at five, and it probably won't be over till like eight eight thirty. So I'll probably bail at some point in the second half, depending on how it looks. But I do love this. I might get used to this. All right. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Let's switch gears here a little bit and talk some NBA. Um, you know, just like we did on our last podcast, we're going to go through another division, talk through each team specifically, you know, kind of our general thoughts on the squad and expectations, and then we'll go through all the odds, division, conference, title, wins over, under, um, yes, no on the playoffs, and kind of give our thoughts on each of those. Today we're going to talk about the Atlantic division, very near and dear to my heart as a Philadelphia 76ers fan, but also something spread. You wrote a little bit about that. What was that on Sportsbook Review? Yep, I had a nice SBR article previewing the Atlantic Division that uh, came out today, actually. So Awesome. Look, check that out and be sure to read it. I uh, chose not to read it because I didn't want to already know going in what you thought, so I wasn't quite ready to tear it apart. I'll have to come up with all this on the top of my head. I figure that's more all fair right. for you. Yeah, that'll work. It'll be a little more organic. Well, let's start at the bottom here, just like we did last time. The New York Knickerbockers. And this is something I didn't do last time, but I'd like to do this time. I'm going to go through. Here's a list spread. I've got a list of all the offseason transactions. Let's see. They signed Alfred Payton. They signed Wayne Ellington. They signed Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson, Julius Randle, Marcus Morris, and Reggie Bullock. Man, that would have been great like two years ago, huh? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) obviously the Knicks are... uh... They're damned by their own expectations. When you tell your fan base all summer that you're going to, or all season that you're going to get Kyrie and Kevin Durant, you know, then adding uh, Julius Randle and Alfred Payton doesn't really do it for them. Uh, so I think they kind of shot themselves in the foot there with that one. Yeah, the Randle and Portis signings, I don't, I don't mind. They're two big players that, that are pretty skilled and I think could be interesting, but I don't know why. you would. I guess Taj Gibson maybe is like a locker room guy. I don't know what Wayne Ellington's doing on this team. He should be on a contender coming off the bench hitting threes. I mean, Alfred Payton continues to be uh, not great, to be nice. And, you know, Reggie Bullock's a bench player. Marcus Morris, again, I, it feels like he should maybe be on a contender, but, you know, got a chance to grab and the last big contract. And he had a weird contract. little offseason too, right, because he was going to go to the Spurs. And yep. he actually fit in really well on the Spurs, in my opinion. And then he just chose to take more money to go to New York, kind of last minute, and uh, kind of ticked everyone off, huh? He did. That was interesting. I've, it's, I don't know what what that's. I don't wonder what that says about the Spurs. You know, he backs out of the contract. Popovich leads the FIBA team to only number seven at the World Cup. Um, not a great summer for San Antonio, but we'll talk about them a little bit later. Let's take a look at the starting five here. So hypothetically spread, they're looking to start Dennis Smith Jr., R.J. Barrett, Kevin Knox, Julius Randle, and Mitchell Robinson. That's actually a pretty fun five. There's a little bit of shooting out there. Um, you know, Knox, I know, statistically had a rough season last year, but tough to be the only guy on a team, and I wonder how he'll perform with a little bit of help this year. I think Randle's going to be a really good bucket getter on this team. Mitchell Robinson, 
um, as far as I'm concerned, is you know one of the most impressive young defensive players in the league. I wonder, um, you know, what he translates to. Before we got started, we were talking about the Pistons actually a little bit, and Andre Drummond. I wonder if Robinson has a chance to maybe fill out his game a little more than say Drummond did. But it seems like he's on that path to at the very least be an incredible defensive player. What do you think about that starting five? Do you think that that group can mesh and, and score some points, maybe win some games? Yeah, I think Julius Randle is a pretty underrated acquisition there. I think he's going to help them a lot. I'm going to be looking to bet uh, some New York Knicks plus uh, point spreads. I think they're going to be able to keep games closer uh, than the general public might believe. I think the whole key of their season really is going to hinge on uh, the success of R.J. Barrett and whether or not he can kind of become the player uh, that we all think so. Now, one thing is with these rookies coming out so early, uh, most of them are not ready right off the bat and usually don't even show really signs of, you know, adjusting to the NBA game till the spring. So uh, I might, I, I could imagine New York kind of having a nice finish and being a good uh, underdog team to back plus the points towards the end of the year. But uh, I mean, other than that, they've just got another year of, uh, you know, with not a lot of hope. I don't really see this team making the playoffs to you. No, absolutely not. Um, you know, their odds to make the playoffs. Let me see. They're uh Minus 1,400 on the no. So uh, Vegas obviously agrees with us. Uh, you know, what I think the angle for me on the Knicks this year is going to be, um, I always like the first quarters, and I have a little model I run that looks into those. Oh, I think yeah. this is going to be a great first quarter team because a lot of those first quarter lines look like they get set based on the full game line, and they'll obviously be big dogs in pretty much every game that they're in against you know some of the more serious teams. But this is a nice starting five. It's a young team. They're going to go out and play hard, and I wonder if they'll catch some teams off guard in the first quarter, especially being in New York. What do you think about that? Yeah, definitely. That's going to be a good angle. And I think another thing I'd like to get your opinion on is Dennis Smith Jr. I know that he was really liked by some of the uh, sharper, more like, you know, NBA, real nerd guys, you know, they might call them that are really into the analytics and stuff. And they really thought Dennis Smith Jr. had a had a good chance to break out. We haven't really seen it yet. Do you ever see Dennis Smith Jr. becoming like an all-star level player? Or is he just kind of a, uh, you know, average starter, good role player? What do you think of his ceiling? I think his ceiling is something like Lou Williams. I think that he would be a really great come-off-the-bench guy, get you buckets and spurts. You know, you have him playing at the end of the game when you need a basket, stuff like that. You know, somewhere like kind of like a, a Lou Williams player. You know, maybe Isaiah Thomas when he was coming off the bench for the Sacramento Kings teams. I think he could be a really, really great version of that. You know, his size and his struggles defensively make it really hard to trust him for, you know, 30 minutes a game, you know, starters yeah. minutes. But for 15, 20 minutes, probably 20, maybe 25 even, you know, if he's hot that night, I think he's good be a really great spark plug off the bench yeah it'll be interesting to see I th- Lou Williams that's an interesting comp I didn't expect to hear that uh he'll definitely have to improve his shooting if he wants to live up to that because I think he definitely has like the speed and athleticism he gets to the room fairly well but the jump shot leads a little to be desired as it does with all these young players you know that now they're all coming into the league at 19 instead of 21 you know get off my lawn I'm an old person whatever but uh <laughs> you know I mean, most of them come in and they're not really able to shoot no, it's tough. I mean, he's gotten a little bit better the last couple of years, and I think that he'll continue to improve. But, um, you know, again, I think he would benefit being able to come off the bench and playing against some tired starters and maybe some lesser opponents in the second units. Yeah, we had mentioned him before. Uh, I'll call, just call him Frankie Smokes since it'll be like the WTA. I can't pronounce it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Frankie Smokes, uh, you don't see it seem like in the prep you weren't too high on his prospects. As an NBA player, he had a nice World Cup. I think that he is could still be be a really good defensive player. Um, 
but that's probably where it ends. His he looks so lost with the ball in his hands. He looks lost when he's left open in spots where he should be pulling up to shoot. Um, his ability to attack the rim is laughable at best. Um, so given all that, it's really going to be tough for me to get too excited about him. But you know, we'll see. I, I've been surprised by players like this. You know, maybe coming off that World Cup, he's a lot more motivated. He's hired a shooting coach. He's putting up a lot of buckets. Him and Ben Simmons are, are chucking threes and, and feeling good about life. But uh, as we'll talk about later, I'm not optimistic about either of those things. All right. And another thing I'd like to note, uh, if you are on the Knicks to win the division, Five Dimes has a much better price than any of the books I looked. They were like uh, plus 50,000 to win the Atlantic, uh, whereas the other books only had them at like plus 10,000, plus 15,000. So if you are going to take that plunge, Five Dimes is the place to do it. So what I'm seeing here, right, division odds, I've got 150 to 1. I'm not going anywhere near that. Conference odds, 80 to 1. Title odds, 200 to 1. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. What do you think? You jumping in on any of those? No, like I said, I think the angle for this Knicks team is uh, expect them to start slow, and then they're going to end up getting these huge point spreads, and I think they will be able to cover. Uh, as they kind of come together and these younger players get used to playing each other. Uh, R.J. Barrett's really going to be the key to that, though. If he ends up being, you know, a bust or or really just a below-average player, there, there's not a lot of hope for the squad. All right, the win total, 27.5. Um, any interest in going under there? I know we talked about the Southeast Division. We like the under on the Wizards uh, at a pretty similar number, just basically our thinking being that you know there's tends to be four or five teams, maybe three or four teams every year that fall under 20 or at well under 25. Do you think the Knicks are going to be one of those teams, or are they going to be competitive enough to hang right around 28, maybe even sneak out 30? I'm not going to place a bet on it. I think that's a good number. I would lean under, you know, if we're just going to pick every single one, I would lean under here. But uh, the main reason I don't want to do it is I do see this team kind of coming together after the All-Star break when all the expectations are gone and uh, catching teams by surprise, the New York party life. Um, you know, so I could I, I I'd see reasonable scenarios where they do go over, which is why I don't want to say it. But if I, uh, you know, had to pick, I lean under there. Let's jump to the next team, a team that we've talked about a little bit on our um, intro pod here, um, the Toronto Raptors. You know, I think at this point, if you listen to the pod and follow us on Twitter, you'll know that we have diametrically opposite opinions on that. But before we get into that, let's see any major offseason transactions here. Um, Stanley <laughs> signed Stanley Johnson, signed Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Oh, they lost somebody. Who did, who's this guy? Co, Co, how do you say this? Kawa? Is it Kawi? Kawi? Yeah. How, do you know how to say that? Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I think he's a, a good young talent out of San Diego State. I think he's going to do pretty well in this league. Well, that's a pretty big loss. And you know, do you want to go first or should I go first? What do you think? Okay, I'll go first. I think this is the uh, the Spurs East here. I think they have the best organization. I think we mentioned it before. I don't think that they draft better. I think they develop better, just like the Spurs do, and they're going to be able to get the most out of their players. And I really don't. Uh, I really kind of like this starting five. They got Kyle Lowry at point, Norman Powell at shooting guard, OG Anubi at small forward, Siakam, and Marc Gasol. And then coming off the bench, you'll get Van Fleet. Uh, Stanley Johnson, Ronda Hellas, Jefferson, and Serge Ibaka. To me, that is a very good regular season team. You know, obviously they will have problems in the playoffs, but uh, you know I, they travel well traditionally. Uh, and I think Nick Nurse is one of the better coaches in the NBA, like at least top ten. 
So I don't see any reason why this team won't at least be uh, in the playoffs. And as I've said before, I like them to go over their uh, win total of 46. I just see the disease of you know just having won the title. Kyle Lowry off his first championship after a relatively long career at this point. Um, Marcus Sola, you could say the exact same thing about him. Serge Ibaka, almost pretty similar. You know, those three group of guys, the, that group of three guys. I wonder how they come into this season. Did they spend off season doing all the great training that they needed to? You know, what happens to Marcus Sola's body that he had to basically give up a month of recovery time to go play World Cup basketball? You know, he did win the gold, and they are the world champions at this point, the Spanish team. But you got to wonder what impacts that's going to have as we get towards the middle and the end of the season. Fred Van Vliet. He just got paid. He got paid a ton of money, and that's usually a, a tough spot for a, a younger player. They, not a, not all of them come out of that playing their best basketball. Um, you know, Pascal Siakam was really, really great last year. I think that the biggest upside in the team, you know, is when he actually skipped over. I think if he can take a big step forward, this is that's my biggest concern as someone that's already bet the under team total here. That's that's looking at no on the playoffs. This is a team where. You know, like you said, it's Spurs. If it is Spurs East spread, why isn't there a blow up here? This isn't a team that is a championship contender. It's not going to get better at the end of the year by just letting these guys play. I mean, what's keeping Masai Ujiri from shopping Gasol, from shopping Kyle Lowry, from you know looking around to see if anybody is interested in maybe a newbie comes out hot and they can get a pick for him? You know, Van Vliet stays hot and somebody is looking for a, a guard late in the season. I think that you know. There's a great chance this team gets blown up. There's a great chance these guys come in less than 100% prepared, prepped, and, and ready to go. And, you know, the lineup's good, but it's not great. I mean, this isn't a better lineup than the Sixers. This isn't a better lineup than the Celtics. It's not a better lineup than the Pacers. Um, I don't know if it's a better lineup than the Nets. Is this a better lineup than the Orlando Magic? Is this a better lineup than the Miami Heat? Um, the more and more I start to go through this, I think they're really going to struggle, even if they are all playing their best. But you know, let, let's circle back on that that one point. Are, are you concerned at all that Ujiri blows this up, or do you think he just keeps it going and, and finds some way to pick up a star midseason? Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards the latter, although there have been rumblings that he is kind of uh, desiring to blow this team up and start it from scratch. But if you look at the team and there are some disgruntled stars available, you know, like they, had, they did with Leonard, there's no reason to think that this team can't stay a little above 500 and then try to make a midseason ac- acquisition. Uh, one thing I would say positive for him is I expect, uh, you know, we might get a little regression from Lowry and Gasol, but I expect Powell, Ananobi, and Siakam to all develop and continue to be better players. I'm not as worried about Van Vliet coming off the uh, the contract year as you are. He seems to be like, you know, a solid player with his head on straight. And uh, like I said, they have the depth. They, 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 go, they go nine deep pretty easily. And... Uh, yeah, I like this team. Obviously, when you are bad the team total, that for me, I, if the team stays intact, I'd love it. You know, you're right, though. One of the big concerns you would have if you're taking the over will be that he blows the team up at midseason because uh, Lowry and Gasol would be the two to go. Now, Lowry, I don't know. There doesn't seem to be too much of a market for him. He's got a big salary, but I think Gasol could help a lot of contenders, and he kind of showed uh, last season uh, how he not only is a good player, but he knows how to contribute to winning. Total I'm seeing right now, 46.5 wins. I've actually already taken the under there for two units myself. Um, you know, odds to win the division, 6-1. to one. Odds to win the conference, 10-1. to one. Odd to win the title, 30-1. to one. Um, Looking at playoffs, yes, minus 350, no, plus 275. I'm going to stare at that plus 275 for a little while longer, but I probably will bet it. Um, have you taken the over here already? 
No, I'm going to do them all right before the season. I like to wait, at least get into training camp, find out, you know, things like you discussed, you know, how overweight is Kyle Lowry because he traditionally does get out of uh, shape over the offseason. And uh, I like to at least get a little, uh, you know, the nuggets of information and kind of get a feel for the team and the vibe around the team. And the way I usually do that is just by uh, following the individual beat reporters and kind of following their reports coming out of camp. Um, so I will wait, you know, it, there are those red flags, you know, like you say, if Lowry shows up 20 pounds overweight or Gasol's being held out already because of all the nagging injuries, uh, you know, it gives me time to reconsider. But other than that, like I, other than really some dire reports coming out of Toronto when training camp starts, I don't think there's going to be anything that's to prevent me from betting that over. Let's move forward to the Brooklyn Nets, a very big offseason for them. Traded for Torian Prince, signed DeAndre Jordan, signed Kyrie Irving, traded for Kevin Durant, um, signed a couple other guys here, Garrett Temple, Theo Pinson, Wilson Chandler, um, who I actually forgot was still in the NBA, and uh, got Karis LeVert on an extension to keep him in town for a little bit longer. Um now, this is an interesting team for me. As, as you know, Spread, I cheered all offseason for the idea of Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant to be together in New York. I just was hoping it was with the Knicks and not with the Nets. Um, although both really talented players, I think this this would be a weird locker room. And I wonder what it's going to be like this year with Durant being out for, for most of the season. Um, I guess we'll start there, actually. What are your expectations for Durant? Do you think we see him at all this year? Um, if they do make a push towards the playoffs, does he maybe try to get back later in the year what do you what do you what are you expecting from him yeah so this is interesting when i wrote my article i, I wrote it last friday and um i did it, uh everything i had read said that durant was going to be out for the year they were just going to shelve him there make sure he's 100 percent. today i'm scrolling around on twitter and i'm seeing reports that he is going to try and make a late season comeback uh, so those are hard to gauge, but boy, would that really like upset the apple cart if he did, because I kind of handicapped this division, uh, with the idea that Durant would not be here at all this season. Um, and if he comes back, you know, that could change everything. Uh, but listen, operate under the assumption that he's not, because it seems rather, uh, I don't know. See, to me, it still seems rather unlikely that, that he'll make it back this year. It seems like he's just trying to keep his name in the news. I don't know. Uh, I agree, and my, I think that if he does come back, it's hard to think that he's going to be 100% and playing his best, so I think you're right. Let's move forward with the assumption that he's not going to play, but and if he does, it's really only consideration for the playoffs. All right, cool. So then let's look at this team, and then uh, the thing that I, I wrote is this, is uh, with the Kyrie fitting in, kind of has similar vibes to the Boston. You, you know, you got this... Uh, I think that their coach is a fairly good coach. Uh, they use a, a nice motion offense. They seem to get everyone involved. And, you know, they kind of have like a team-first attitude. Kyrie walked in that same situation in Boston and did not flourish and thrive in it at all. In fact, you know, a lot of uh, Boston fans, not necessarily analysts, but fans didn't really like the way that Irving was on the court. They felt that he was too ball-dominant and it was getting away from the things that made them successful as a team of the year before. And I, I'm really struggling to see here what's going to prevent that from happening on this Knicks roster? You know, how are uh, Harris, Levert, you know, Dinwiddie, how are these guys going to respond to getting less touches when Kyrie's out there doing, you know, amazing dribbling moves that are awesome for highlights and look would look great on an and one mixtape, but, you know, uh, sometimes fails to get the other players involved. And that's kind of like the forgotten art of being a point guard in, uh, in this new scoring point guard day and age. How do you think that Kyrie will fit in? 
I feel exactly the same way. I think that you take a team that had a lot of fun playing together last year, really grew together and, and loved loved being on the court with one another, and then you put in this guy who, you know, I, I stole this from somebody else, but the least fun person to play basketball with is someone that likes to dribble a lot and has no interest in playing defense, and, and that's Kyrie yeah. Irving. And I wonder what that's going to do to this team. I wonder how that impacts the development of Karis LeVert, how that impacts the level of effort of Spencer Dinwiddie night in and night out. Um, you know, Joe Harris needs a lot of help creating shots. I wonder if he's going to get that help. I think Harris will fit in well because he just needs to spot out, wait for Kyrie to do his thing, and then if he gets doubled, catch and shoot. I think he'll be affected the least. I think it'll be more LeVert and uh, Dinwiddie that will get less of their like chances to create there. I mean, if... But if it all comes together, this could be a really fun team. You know, Irving, Harris, Levert, Kuruks, Allen is a pretty solid starting five. You got Dinwiddie and DeAndre Jordan coming off the bench with Torian Prince. Garrett Temple is a solid guy if you know he's your eighth Great ninth depth. guy off the bench. Wilson yeah. Chandler should be good as an eighth ninth guy off the bench. So if this does all come together, I think that they do have a chance to win a lot of games and be really competitive. I am pessimistic though about the chances that, that Kyrie settles down and is a true team leader. Um, I think the best thing that ever happened to him was he got stuck on somebody else's team and got a chance to win a championship with LeBron James. I don't know that if he is the kind of person with the charisma and the ability to, to lead a group of young men like this, but this team has a ton of potential. So when I start to look at some of these numbers, 5.5 to 1 to win the division, 7.5 to 1 to win the conference, 22 to 1 to win the title. You're only seeing 5.5 to 1 to win the division? Yeah, that's what I pulled up. I, mean, this, this, this I saw 8 little... to 1 at 5 dimes, unless it's moved since yeah. Friday. When that to... was a much better price. You know, it's either way, I can't. It's hard for me to wrap my head around any of those things happening. I mean, can you really see them having a, a better record and winning the division over Boston and Philadelphia, who we'll talk about in a little bit? I struggle with that. I, I don't think that this is the year to bet them to win the conference and bet them to win the title. Actually, I think the way these odds look, I think people, these odds to me seem like people are really optimistic about Kevin Durant or maybe just forgot that he's not playing this year. The win total is interesting. I'm seeing 44.5. My guess is there's probably even a 45.5 somewhere, which is actually a game lower than Toronto. What do you think about yeah. that number? Yeah, I think that uh, betting-wise preseason, I think that Brooklyn uh, gives you a lot more value than Toronto because my expectations are the same or higher for them, and they have better numbers on each one. When I uh, when I was looking, I think I saw Toronto was plus 625 to the division. Uh, Brooklyn is plus 800, and to me, they have pretty much the same chance, so you're getting a little more value there. Same thing with the games. I, I see them as right around the same team, but then you know they have to win a couple games less. That seems like it's a good value. I think one interesting thing, and I like your opinion on this, is, for handicapping is uh, how much of a improvement is Kyrie Irving over D'Angelo Russell? I mean, he was very solid last year. I think from a skill perspective, he is much better. Um, I think he does a lot of the stuff that Russell does on the floor just as well, again, if not better. It's what happens in the locker room. It's, uh -huh. you know, what's it like when he tries to lead these guys and kind of take control at the end of the game? Or, uh, do they really like that? I don't know if Russell was that kind of guy. Yeah, and it was funny we talk about locker room because after uh, after everything that went down in L.A. with Nick Young and the Snapchat of him putting up uh, – <laughs> Uh, his teammate cheating on his wife or whatever, uh, you know, he was considered, you know, a locker room, you know, no touch, can't get near him. And then, <laughs> you know, here we are two years later, and we're almost thinking that he's a better locker room presence than uh, Kyrie Irving. I just think it's funny how our perceptions can change over the course of a year or two. 
All right, sounds like we're both staying away from bets on Brooklyn. I do lean over the wins total, uh, but everything else I'm staying away from. Any other? Yeah, I would just say if you do you, if you do have long shot fever, I think this is the uh, I think this is the look right here though. I think they to have win the, the division upside. to win the conference to win the division. Okay. Yeah, that that could be an right. Look. I mean, I mean, it's a weird path to victory, but it's basically just Boston doesn't gel and Embiid ends up get the season-ending injury. You know, that's their their path to victory. Which, you know, it would be interesting if we could have like odds on a division winner at the first half mark. That would be a really interesting at bet. the All Star break. Yeah, like the Sixers start slow, the Celtics start slow, and they come out win a bunch of games. I don't know, but um, yeah. that's that's an interesting look. All right, you ready to talk about the Celtics? Yep, this is my team here for the Atlantic. Lost Al Horford, picked up Kemba Walker, um, re-signed Daniel Theus, added Enos Cantor. Uh, you know, obviously the big change there, losing um, Kyrie Irving and Al Horford, picking up Kemba Walker. Um, then I'll start with you. You're very excited here. So you think the Celtics win the division? Yeah, I love this team. I think they'll return to the form that they had without Kyrie Irving. I think they'll be more team-oriented. I think it'll be much easier for Brad Stevens to set his offense and, and run the way that he likes without having to, uh, I don't know if pander is the right word, but that's what came to my head, you know, pander to uh, the needs of, of a ball-dominant superstar that, that really likes to get his shots up. I think that he'll be able to implement his sets a little better. I don't think that Kemba is that bad a downgrade, and I think uh, locker room-wise he's an upgrade. The major concern for me now here is Horford, and really his defensive ability and his ability to switch because Cantor does not have that. So it'll be interesting to see how Stevens schemes around it. Um, and But the one thing in the Celtics' favor here is I do believe that Cantor is a much better rebounder. I think that's what, uh, you know, one of the things that, that Horford wasn't able to provide, which is why Aaron Baines uh, was so important. And I think that's another reason why losing Horford uh, they felt like they were able to add Cantor and, and then lose Baines and not give him the big contract because uh, I think they're feeling that they can prove their rebound in there. Uh, another key to the season will be Gordon Hayward's recovery, but I'm expecting a lot from him. If you remember Paul George when he kind of had the same uh, break, uh, it took him two years to get back, and I think that we're going to see a much better Gordon Hayward this year. And if we do, this is a really talented, deep team on the wings, uh, and that's going to win a lot of regular season games. So no mention of Taco Fall at all? No, should I be mentioning him? No, no. Yeah, I see not. him fifth on the center depth chart. Behind well, maybe Robert for the, for the sake the of listenership, maybe we should just say Taco Fall a few times. Social media seems <laughs> okay. to love him. Yeah, I know. They do. He's very tall. Yeah, I don't I don't see him making it. You know, there's another one they, they love, and I see him fifth on the depth chart at Smalls Forward, is Semi Ojale. Yeah, they love him, too. I, you know, I like this lineup a lot. I agree with a lot of the stuff you said. For me, the key is Gordon Hayward. Does he continue to play like he did at the end of the season? Does he take a step forward? You know, now kind of two seasons under his belt, or at least a, I'm sorry, a full season under his belt of actually playing since his big injury. Um, that's the whole key. If if he can take a step forward and really lead this team, because when I look at this roster, you know, Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, Enos Cantor, Jalen Brown. Theus, Carson Edwards, Romeo Langford, Semi Ojale, as you mentioned, of course, Taco Fall. Um, I wonder, you know, who's driving the bus here? Who is the leader? Who is the guy in the locker room standing up and making the big speeches? Who has the ball in their I hand? I think it's Marcus Smart. Who is the leader? I don't know if he has the ball in his hand, but I think that's the guy making the speeches in the locker room. I think Hayward is the guy with the ball in his hands at the end of the game. Um, we saw that a lot last year. We I know think, Tatum I think Brad wants Stephen to be the likes guy. it. I, yeah, I wonder how that's going to go. So. 
I think there is a lot of talent here, and you got to love Brad Stevens. He's an incredible coach, and I, I totally agree with you about the locker room. I think this is going to be a much happier, more fun place to play basketball. The Al Horford loss is pretty big, but I think that's going to be a, a bigger issue come playoff time. Come, you know, for the regular season, they have enough bodies here. You know, maybe Robert Williams the third takes a step forward. Tia should be fine. Cantor, you know, he's a good regular season guy. It'll give him a little different taste on offense. They'll finally have something that can post up a little bit. I think that this team does have a chance to win a lot of games. Um, they're looking here, their division odds. I've got them four, um, four to one, a little better than that. Four plus four twenty-five to win the conference. Seven and a half to one to win the title. Twenty-five to one. Their win total at forty-nine and a half. Um, the division odds are, are interesting. I'm actually surprised at such a big number there at four and a quarter. Um, you know, like you talked about, there could be a slow start in Philadelphia as they they don't necessarily gel together. Um, obviously, there'll be some rest games for Joel and Bede. You know, if we're lucky, it'll just be rest games, possibly even an injury. So, I don't know if I'm going to be jumping on that. I'm going to poke around a little bit, see if I can get a better number, maybe a five or, or even a six to one somewhere else. But um, that's a really interesting look, and it sounds like you're on board as well. Yeah, I've jumped in already on this one. I went in and placed this one already because I don't see the odds going in my favor from here on out. Um, and like I said, you know, it's not a sure thing, but it's, you know, like you said, the path to victory is the Sixers do not get the most out of their team, and and, and, and Brooklyn has the same problems uh, gelling with Kyrie that, that Boston did last year. And if those two things both happen, which, you know, 25% chance isn't really that crazy, uh, this team is, it, to me, is a shoe in to win this division, you know, uh, depending on Embiid's health. So you've just taken the division odds. Any thoughts on the win total? Again, the number I'm seeing, 49.5. Yeah, I mean, that's a good look, too. But I'm thinking, if I mean, if they, how many games do you think it takes to win the division? Let's assume things go fairly well in Philly. How many, how many games do you see them winning? 54, 55? Yeah, I, th- I think that there's a chance that the Sixers could put up a big number. You know, we'll talk about them in a little bit. Their t- win total right now is 54.5. I think that they could be 56, 58, even 60. You know, again, if Embiid comes in and he's really in shape and um, they don't have to rest him too much, if Simmons is at least pulling up and shooting some jump shots, I don't actually care if he makes them or not at this point. Um, you know, Tobias Harris continues to fit in and kind of fills, I think, a little bit of the J.J. Redick role. I think that team has a chance to win a lot of games. So, um I think actually, you know, the over is a little safer play, obviously. But, you know, what number did you get on the division? Four to one. Yeah, four to one. And I'm and I'm so this is I do like the over here. And this is kind of like, you know, how we do the alt totals on some of these uh, some of these uh, football games and stuff where we, you know, bet the under and then we keep adding odds. I almost feel like the division play is like our alt alt total there, you know, where we're getting extra odds where, you know, if they do win, you know, they do beat the division or they do beat the over under by seven eight games you know that they'll win the division as well all right any other thoughts on the celtics before we jump into the sixers do you think that carson edwards is going to be any good at all at backup point or will we basically see marcus smart handling the ball um when, when walkers on the bench you know it's a brad steven team brad steven's team so he's going to play the young guy a lot of minutes so i think we will see him um uh-huh. i'm not a big follower of college basketball to be honest i don't know how good or bad he is but i think he'll definitely get a chance and even, for me, even if I follow college basketball and I do watch some, obviously not nearly as much as the NBA, sometimes it's so hard. There's so many players I can think of my whole life that look so good in college. I thought we were going to be so good. And they get to the NBA and everyone's just as big and athletic as them and they just look lost. So uh, to me, I think uh, NBA is one of the hardest ones to judge the prospects off of due to their college performance. 
All right, time for my beloved Philadelphia 76ers. Let's do it. Let's who had an, an amazing offseason. You know, we did lose Jimmy Buckets. Best of luck to him in the city of Miami. Um, we were able to acquire Josh Richardson, re-sign Mike Scott, uh, re-sign Tobias Harris, add Al Horford, add re-sign James Ennis, add Kyle O'Quinn, extend Ben Simmons, and add Trey Burke as well to the roster. A starting five for the Philadelphia 76ers of Ben Simmons, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, Al Horford, and Joel Embiid. And let's start there. Is this the best starting five in the NBA? Oh, wow. Uh, I like the Clippers a tad better, but yeah, no, they're up there in the running. Before we before we break this down, I need to have your thoughts on the Jimmy Buckets departure. He had a short but uh, bright tenure there in Philly. Like, how is the mood, and how how do you guys feel about him down there? Have you ever had a relationship that you ended at exactly the right time? Right, I, you had I a think girl. So. You had all else. It's it's hard to do. I don't know if I have either, but that's what this feels like. We had a great end of the season with Jimmy. He made some incredible shots. You know the way I describe Jimmy Butler's basketball is. Um, it's a lot of cringing and then and then points somehow. Um, he makes a lot of shots that, for the love of God, you know you don't think are ever going in. Um, you know he was a great leader. I think that he was a huge presence in that locker room. I think that he changed Joel Embiid. I think Joel Embiid is a much different person and player since playing with Jimmy Butler. I'm curious to see what Ben Simmons looks like. He's tough. He doesn't show too much in terms of press conferences and, and, and public appearances, but I'm curious to see the step forward he takes. And we got Josh Richardson. Like, we didn't just lose Jimmy Butler. We traded him for Josh Richardson, who I think is one of the most underrated players in the NBA. Um, you know, when you think of your worst player as, as being him, you know, a big athletic guard who's shown that he can handle the ball, play point guard, play shooting guard. You know, he was really a big leader and a big part of that Miami team at the end of the year last year. So um, all my best to Jimmy Butler. I have no bad feelings, but couldn't be happier that um, you know we were able to move on, use that cap space to, to fill in Al Horford and pick up Josh Richardson at the same time. All right, and I thought I already know the answer. We'll do this for the listeners. Give me your thoughts on the loss of JJ Redick. Again, another really fantastic player. JJ's been great, but he showed signs last year of kind of starting to be washed. Um, he looked a little slower defensively. He was even worse than he ever was. Come playoff time, I think everyone has enough tape on JJ Redick to know what screens he likes, where he likes to be, what hand he likes to use, what foot he likes to go off. Um, I think that it's. You know, pretty obvious from his move to decide to go to the Pelicans. I think he had a chance to play with the Sixers, maybe not for as much money as he got from the Pelicans, but I think that you know, when you think about the way he's starting to build a media career for himself, you know, the JJ Reddick podcast has really taken off. He does a lot of other things from that perspective. I think that he kind of looked at the landscape and went, you know what? I want to be on Zion Williamson's team for a few years. I want to buddy up with him and all these young guys. So, you know, I've got some connections and stuff. I think that he's maybe starting to think about what comes after basketball. And, you know, again, I'm happy to take that spot and, uh, and upgrade it defensively. You know, from him to Richardson is, you know, that's an otherworldly upgrade defensively. So, you know, again, yeah, big thanks to J.J. Redick. I've been a huge fan of his for the last few years. But, you know, I think we got out at the right time there as well. Okay, cool. I like to hear all this positivity coming out of a Philly fan. This is uh, throwing me off a bit. We're happy people sometimes. I mean, the Eagles have won <laughs> the Super Bowl. It's all that anything can happen. Anything can happen, spread. That's true. All right, now let's address. Uh, I, I I also I love your starting lineup. I think it's fantastic. I think it's uh, built properly. I think the pieces work together. I think Horford's going to be a huge help for Embiid and give uh, take a lot of the pressure off of him. Uh, defensively, and I think he's going to teach him 
uh, about defense and, and how to basically get more out of less as far as your effort because Horford uh, really has uh, you know made a career out of just being in the right place and 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 you know being able to kind of use knowledge instead of athleticism in order to be a solid defender. Uh, my main concern for this team is the depth. I don't really like. Uh, I don't really. Th- I think this is one of the weakest benches of uh, actual true title contenders. Uh, so, what do you think about the depth? And am I wrong here? Am I am I just not appreciating the genius of Mike Scott? Um, I really am disappointed that you brought up that name. Um, <laughs> I had to throw that in there. It's really frustrating. Fans at the Eagles, <laughs> the Eagles game wearing Redskins jerseys. Mike Scott's biggest problem is that he's not Landry Shamit. That just that kills me. That that that's how that trade went and. And that's what we're looking at here. But depth is definitely an issue. You know, it's we're essentially we're, we're going to require a big step forward from Zaire. You know, one, so we essentially have two rookies this year. Zaire Smith, who was drafted last year, took the took his uh, Philadelphia red shirt year. Matisse Tibble um, coming in from Washington. He looks like he should be healthy and ready to go. I think one of those two guys needs to show that they can play 15 to 20 solid minutes a night for this to work. Um, I think Trey Burke is actually a really nice bench player coming in for this team. I have no qualms about Jonah Bolden. You know, he's a nice young player. He fills in good minutes. He knows where he needs to be defensively, tries very hard, and doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Kyle O'Quinn has always been a very good player coming off the bench, so I, I think that it'll be nice yeah. to have a couple big guys um, you know, to give Embiid more rest and to give him more time and, and not be able to make you know make those mistakes and, and possibly get injured. Mike Scott, very good you know during the regular season. You know, as much as he annoys me, um, and again, he should be Landry Shaman, which is exactly what the Sixers freaking need, but we've got Mike Scott, and he's fine, and you know, he'll fill in and play some nice minutes. You know, James Ennis III, I don't think that... He's, there's anything wrong with him. So I think there's enough here that maybe a few players pop and come playoff time, the Sixers have a solid, you know, eight, nine guys that they're playing. But from a regular season perspective, you're right. I think that there are going to be some tough times and some nights where, you know, they're trying to rest Simmons, they're trying to rest Harris, or they're trying to rest Embiid or Horford. And um, you're looking at a pretty bare-bones roster. And you might have nights where it's just Ben Simmons, Josh Richardson, and um, not much else. So, uh, and I haven't been following it because I know you guys gave up some picks, I think, in the Harris trade. Do you guys have, or you guys, do the Sixers have the uh, assets to make a, uh, a off-season trade, and, I mean mid-season trade, and add some depth, or are they kind of pretty bare-bones right now? Because this team screams that they're going to make a nice little addition at the deadline. And we don't know who it is right now. It's It'll be from a team that, you know, is underperforming greatly and, you know, just decides to blow it up. You know, because everything's going so poorly. Um, but to me, this team is it, just—you know—if if there was a bet, like, will they make a a depth addition towards the uh, towards the trading deadline? I mean, I would vote yes. I see this team is they'll run with what they have, they'll see what they need, and they'll probably use some of these assets uh, to try and shore up, you know, wherever they're deficient uh, when the, we find out who the sellers are at the trading deadline, because, you know, every year there's, you know, three or four teams that just fail to meet expectations, whether it's just, they're not playing well, or they're just bombarded with injuries, but that they'll become sellers that we're not anticipating right now. And I see the Sixers to be huge in that market. So we've got our own first round pick next year. We've got our own first round pick in 2021 and the heat pick in 2021. Um, and then our own pick in 2022. So nothing terribly great. I don't think a Sixers first-round pick is really pulling in too much from no, a value perspective. No, but that's plenty. You can put a couple a of those together. 20s, 
I, I think yeah, they, there might be a chance 20s. to maybe trade one of those picks, maybe the Heat pick in 2021 for somebody who yeah. could fill in a role. And then, you know, I was trying to pull up and, and get a list maybe of what the veteran buyout guys might look like, but I think oh, the Sixers are a prime target for something like that. Like maybe the right. Knicks actually buy out Ellington finally because he just makes literally no sense that he's even there. Um, I don't, again, I don't know what contract he's on, and I know they just signed him this year, but Lord only knows. Um, curious to see what happens from that. They did bring Joe Johnson in spread this offseason for a couple of workouts. Get excited. Did they, I thought he did he sign there? Or did he sign somewhere else? No, I that's, I saw that he came. I in think for he some signed workouts. with Detroit. Oh, that's disappointing. Google it real quick. I think he signed with Detroit. Oh, I hope not. I know they brought him in for a workout. Yeah, you're right. He signed with Detroit. Oh well, maybe Detroit buys him out. <laughs> but I, and I that's think, a possibility. But I think in the East is is so is lacking depth. I think Detroit will be a playoff team again. I don't know if they'll be a seller unless Griffin gets hurt. Hey, we'll see. It's, I think there'll be some buyout guys. I think that they have the assets to maybe make a trade to bolster the bench, but I love this starting five, and I think once it comes down to the playoff time, they'll be able to carve it down to these five guys and another two, three guys they can trust and make it work. Yeah, so they're definitely an interesting look. So uh, favored to win the Atlantic. I, when I was looking, they were minus 170. That price seemed about right. You know, if we're just picking, like, you know, we pick our brackets or just making I actually don't like that at all. I think given the injury risk here and the, and the rest risk and you know what could possibly happen to a thin team, I think that's a really dangerous bet. Um, the price yeah, is, the like price is probably either, correct, but, but I, I'm not right. touching that. Right, I'm not either. Um, but you know, I mean, they they sh- they are the rightful favorite to to win the Atlantic. And then what? How do you view them overall? Like, uh, will they be able to overcome Milwaukee? Because that seems to be it's going to be their biggest hurdle will be either Boston or Milwaukee in the playoffs. My plan is to wait during the season for a possible injury or maybe a slow start and see if I can get a better number. I'm hoping to get them uh-huh. at like ten to one to win the title and maybe three or what four, are they right now? Or, uh, I'm seeing eight and a half. You know, I'm going to wait. I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait till maybe just before Christmas and, and see what some numbers look like there. But you know, if I can get them three to one, maybe a little better, three and a half, four to one would be a dream to win the conference. You know, the title ten to one would be to start start to pique my interest. Twelve would be good. Would be a good number. I'd bet fifteen to one again would be a dream. But um, I'm going to wait a little bit and see if I can get a better number. When I look at the win total, though, that 54.5, that looks a little uh-huh. low given what some of their upside could be. And actually, this yeah. I think there's a good spot. Like you said, if you can find adjusted totals and, and find maybe like an over 56 and over 58 even, um, I'd be looking for something like that. Do you have an over-under total for Ben Simmons made three-pointers this season? You know, I'd have to put it myself. And I think <laughs> probably .5 I think would be a good number. <laughs> you don't think he'll start jacking some up in garbage time? There's been a bunch of videotapes of him um, shooting some threes this year. Actually, I'm going to look. I, don't, I wonder if he's made one in his career yet. I think he might have by accident. I think he was like literally trying to make an alley-oop or something, and, and it went in. Um, but let's see. <laughs> so do you actually know that? What do you think, Spread? Has, has Ben Simmons, and I'm going to pull this up. i got a basketball reference here. Has he ever in his career made a three-pointer? I would I would say yes. Oh for 17. Really? Only shot 17. Um, I don't know. I've seen a bunch of video of him shooting. I just wanted to pull up. I don't care if it's from three. He needs to at least make the defender respect him and, and try to stay relatively near him because he's got everything else. And again, I don't ever expect him to be a great shooter, but I just need him to shoot. I need him to try to pull up and try to you know make the defense think that he might shoot. And maybe every once in a while for a split second they forget how bad a shooter he is. 
Um, he's got to start pulling up and shooting some jumpers just to create some space for himself and, and change the way the defense plays him. So what are the feelings in Philadelphia about his work ethic? I know that in the media, you know, they all expected last year to be his big jump, and he didn't seem to make any improvements on his game at all. Now, are there uh, rumblings of dissatisfaction out there or the fact that he's so talented it just doesn't matter? You know, as long as he can't shoot, that's always going to be the conversation. You talk to anybody in Philadelphia about Ben Simmons, it's, man, he sucks, he can't shoot. Or do you see those videos? He's going to be making threes next year. That's the whole conversation. I mean, Uh I, I... I don't like that categorization, you know, that comment that he didn't improve year over year. Um, you know, when you're already pretty good at everything, there's actually not a lot of room to to improve. He's an incredible rebounder. He's a top-notch defensive player. He's an unbelievable passer. He's a great post-up player. I mean, he continued to do all those things and be just as good at them as he was last year. I thought that you know, his general pacing was actually better. I thought that he was a little better of a team leader and looked better when Embiid was off the floor and he had a chance to really run things. Um, Jimmy Butler coming in, I think, took away a lot of opportunities for him to have some big game moments at the end of the year. So I'm excited to see what happens now that you know the ball is probably in his hands at the end of the game. All right, and on the WTA podcast, you know we're well aware of the kitty curse that I've uh, that I've put on a couple players, and in the NBA we have the Kardashian curse. Is there any concern there that in ten years that he's going to be uh, drugged out in a brothel, and that you know this is the the ruin of his career? Boy, I hope not. It's, he seems to be you know fairly um, good with that because they've been kind of in and out, and he doesn't really seem to be too too impacted by Does that. Does that make so, the fingers crossed. a lot out there? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's there's pictures when they're yeah when they're when they're together when they're not together. If she's at the game, they always show her on TV, and there's uh-huh. some mention of her at the paper on like sports talk radio and all that stuff. So it's uh it's a thing. <laughs> I think that's kind of fun off off uh, thing that the, the NBA has now with their kind of crossover into the TMZ style media with the way these guys are dating everyone. Yeah. All right. Any other thoughts for you on the Sixers? Um, sounds like we're both optimistic, but passing on a lot of this pricing. Yeah, so uh, what about Sixers to win the East? Do you have a number for that? I'm seeing two and a half to one. What is it? Two and a half to one. Oh, there's no value on that at all. Yeah. That's, that's like that's just about right, right. Yeah, that's what I mean. I would hope for at least a three. I'm hoping that it gets to four at some point. You know, again, maybe yeah. Milwaukee starts hot, starts hot and they start slow. Yeah, that could be interesting. And in fact, I, I kind of would expect that. I think that Milwaukee has less to integrate and they should be more off their um, – you know, just rolling straight off how they were at the end of last season where Philly needs to work Horford in and all, and all I think that like a long-term is a great acquisition. You know, it is going to take time for Horford to kind of, I don't know if tutor is the right word, but, you know, teach Embiid some of the tricks. And I think that he will do that, you know, but obviously that will be a process. Uh, yeah, two and a half to one, there's no value there at all. So, um, and so are you anticipating a Milwaukee 76ers uh, Eastern Conference Finals? Is that... I can't see anything that would stop it. Maybe a red-hot Boston team putting it all together at the right time. Um, yeah, Boston's we'll, a big, big obstacle, I think, there. We'll talk about the Pacers next time. I'm curious to, yeah. to see what happens there. You seem to be a lot higher on the Pacers than I am. I think the Pacers are very good. I think that they're, at the very least, in that same tier as the Celtics are, um, with a possible yeah, see, chance to bump up. I don't rate them up. there at all, especially with losing Bogdanovich, but... Well, we're not going to talk about that we'll, right now. We're we'll going to wait and talk about week. that next okay. week. All right. <laughs> but at least we have some uh, con- uh, some controversy and some uh, some talking points, so we're not disagreeing. There'll be a lot of Raptors talk this year. A lot of Raptors talk. Yeah, you know, because uh, yeah, especially if they start off, you know, really either very well or very poorly. 
you know, one of us seems to have like a pretty distinct edge. I can I can imagine that uh, that we'll be returning to that one a lot. So overall, my best bet here is for uh, I like the Boston to win the Atlantic at plus four hundred. I think that's the best bet of all your possible Atlantic division points at this point. Raptors under forty six and a half, forty five and a half, any number. Hit take the under. Not to make the playoffs, plus 275. I'm going to poke around and see if I can find a three, but that's a great number. Um, those are my two best bets for the Atlantic. I think you're underestimating how, how bad the last couple spots of the East are. It's possible I mean, you spread, really see them we're going to have to find below out. below the Pistons. <laughs> the Pistons were the eight seed last year. I can't see the Raptors performing worse than the Pistons, even without Leonard. Well, I guess we'll find out. We will. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at NetworthPod. Check out Spread's article. You can find him on Twitter at SpreadAstare. Um, I'll be posting any bets that I make at underscore noops. Um, thanks for listening. Have a great week. Good, good luck in all your wagers.